Thank you, Grayson. It's beautiful. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for that song that we can take everything to you in prayer. 
Thank you for those who wrote it. Thank you for those who sing it still like Grayson. And Lord, we um, songs just speak to our hearts. We thank you that in song and in proclaimed word, we're reminded that we can turn to you. We're reminded to be grateful unto you. So Lord, I would pray now that as we uh, read your word, and as it's proclaimed, that we would indeed turn in prayer, but in this case, uh, in a great prayer of thanksgiving unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My computer has decided to shut down. I want to remind you that we do have some events coming up on uh, December 3rd. Also, I failed to... uh, to say anything about those, that we will have a congregational meeting. Uh, We will also, uh, at that uh, time, uh, consider terms of call, and we will elect our officers, and then afterwards we have a meal. So I would just urge you to to come and and share in that mealtime with us uh, on Sunday as well. Bring your dishes to share. Well, I read some advice this week uh, that I want to share with you, and then I'm going to uh, read our text. And I wish I had read this advice before uh, last Sunday so that I could have shared it with you for your uh, Thanksgiving festivities. Uh, it seems that uh, last year, uh, students, pre-K and kindergarten students at Highland Elementary in Highland County, Virginia, were asked how to prepare a turkey. And it seems to them, they said, the first order of business was where do you get the turkey? Now, most said that they got it in the woods or at the turkey farm. But four-year-old Emma said that she got her turkey at the dollar store. Many said their dad shot the turkey, but not three-year-old Junior. Oh, no, his mama shot the turkey. Almost all the children agreed that you either have to rip out the feathers or you got to cut them off with a knife because, well, feathers tickle your nose. But Graylin added that it was important to take out the turkey's teeth. Most seemed to think that salt and pepper were, were good seasoning. They were sufficient. But little Emma thought hot pepper was very important on a turkey. Dagan disagreed. He said that what you really want to do with a turkey is to put icing on your turkey. And that way when the icing turns rainbow colored, you knew the turkey was done. The big debate among the children was indeed how to make sure the turkey was sufficiently cooked. So they all had advice on the temperature and how long to cook the turkey. Calvin says to just put them in a hot fire for one minute. Cannon says it only takes 20 seconds at 30 degrees. Emma is sure it takes three hours to cook a turkey and the oven has to be set on hot. Kelsey said the oven has to be hot, 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 like one million degrees, and then you cook it for 10 minutes. Koa thought the better approach, though, was really to cook it for two days at 20 degrees. 
But Junior once again chimed in. And Junior said, you're all wrong. What you really want to do is to cook the turkey in a microwave for five days. Now, they all had thoughts about what should be served with the turkey. They said green beans and mashed potatoes and pumpkin pie, although many of them said they didn't actually eat the pumpkin pie. But, once, but most of them agreed on one thing, that when you serve turkey, you must have mac and cheese. Well, there you have it. One thing we can be thankful for this Thanksgiving is that pre-K and kindergartners did not prepare our turkeys, right? There's always something to be grateful for. There's always something to be grateful for. And I become increasingly convinced that, that Thanksgiving kind of gets swallowed up in the tinsel, the glitz, and the glamour, and the commercialism of Christmas. And that's why I think Psalm 103 is so important. And I want to read uh, first the first five verses, and then I'm going to read the, the last verses, and then we'll come back uh, to the verses uh, in between. This is a Psalm of David, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy? Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? And then skipping over to verse 20. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of, the, of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Thanks be to God for his holy word. Many psalms are, of course, addressed to God. <clears throat> Some psalms are addressed to other people. But in Psalm 103, the psalmist, King David, is speaking to himself. He is reminding himself, verse 2, to forget not all the Lord's benefits. He's reminding himself to be thankful. To be thankful. He's cataloging his blessings so that he will not forget the source of those blessings, namely, that it is all from God. He wants to make sure that he's not going to take God's grace for granted. Pastor John Stott writes, What we have here is the authentic utterance of a redeemed child of God who piles up words to express his gratitude to the God of grace. He's reminding himself to express the gratitude by blessing the Lord. Uh, verses 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And the word translated bless in the Hebrew is the word barak. And it means to bless, to kneel down in worship, to praise and adore the Lord. It, it means to thank God for his greatness 
and to speak words of excellence unto God. It's to give God our highest praise and our worship. You might also note that the psalm ends where it began. Verse 20, Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Verse 21, Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. And bless the Lord, all His works, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Further, the psalm has 22 lines or verses. And that's the same number of letters that you have in the Hebrew alphabet. So, so what the psalm is doing here by its very structure is its beginning, its book, its bookending, if you will, this notion of blessing at the very beginning and the end of the psalm. And then it has 22 lines, the same number as the Hebrew alphabet. It's, it's a, set to be a comprehensive reminder that we should all bless or praise the Lord. Indeed, we should count our blessings. We should name them one by one. Pastor and author James Boyce suggests that David in this psalm is answering numerous questions. And we're not going to look at all those questions this morning, but I do want to look at three. Uh, he's answering how should we praise God, why should we praise God, and who should praise God. In fact, anytime you come to a text, you really should ask who, what, when, where, how, those kind of questions. Uh, who's, who's it talking to? Why do we do it? What, what's going on? Where should we do these things? We're asking some of those questions this morning. How should we praise God? Well, again, the answer is in verse 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that was is within me bless his holy name bless the lord O my soul what we have here is a call and a, a command really to bless or praise the lord with everything we have with all that was is within our soul with our inmost being some of the translations have it or as the, the message paraphrases from head to toe i'm going to bless the lord David is commanding himself and us to remember God's blessings, to remember all of God's benefits, and to praise God, and to do so with our heart and with our soul, and with our mind and with our strength. We may praise others, and that's good. We may even accept praise of ourselves, and that's fine. But David is reminded that ultimately, the one who is worthy of all of our praise is the Lord God. Ponder that one a while at the end of this Thanksgiving weekend. Are you giving your all in praise of God? Are we giving our all in praise of God? When we pray, when we sing, when we worship, when we serve, when we receive yet another blessing, are we giving all of our praise unto God? Are we from head to toe praising the Lord? So why should we praise the Lord now? Well, again, we've already answered that to some extent. Verse 2, we forget not all His benefits. We praise Him. Why? Because He's benefited us. 
And it's not good, beloved, to forget God's benefits. God warned the Israelites in Deuteronomy 8, verses 10 to 14, And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. Take care, listen to this, take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His rules and His statutes which I command of you today. Lest when you have eaten and you're full and you've built good homes and you live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and your gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the house of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You see, there's a reminder here, don't forget God. Don't forget all that the Lord has done. As Terry shared in the children's message, don't take it all for granted. Sure, Sure, we work to have food on the table. We work to have roofs over our head. But who gave you the ability to work? Who breathed life into you that you might go to work? That you might earn those things? That you might have the skills to do those things? And it's not just material blessings. David goes on to remind us of additional blessings, the forgiveness of our sins and healing and redemption and satisfaction. Verse 3, who, for, who forgives all your iniquity. At the top of David's thankful list is to thank God for his forgiveness of sins. It's true, we need to thank God for all those things. Deuteronomy 8 talks about houses and jobs all the provisions. But the greatest of gifts is the forgiveness the Lord has given us. Jesus said in all three synoptic Gospels, what does it profit a man to gain the whole, whole world and then forfeit his soul? We're saved. We're forgiven of all of our sins only because God gave His one and only Son on the cross to pay for you and for me. If we repent and believe, we are forgiven. It's great news. Verse 12 of Psalm 103 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. We talked about this in our Sunday school class this morning, that we're no longer under condemnation. That God has removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. That's the greatest of all God's benefits. Let us bless the Lord. Let us kneel down and praise Him. Next, David says that the Lord has blessed us with healing. Second part of verse 3, who heals all your diseases. We should praise the Lord because He heals our diseases. Now, some of you are going to say, wait a minute. I got some aches and pains he hasn't healed yet. I get it. Or you're going to say, I prayed for friends and family and loved ones and they're not healed. You're right. Believers do get sick. And sometimes we are not healed. 
And God has his purposes in sickness, and he certainly can teach us things in the midst of sickness that you and I won't learn any other way. But don't be so quick to blame God. Remember, sickness is ultimately the result of living in a fallen world. A world that is not as God designed it. A world that has been marred by our own sin. And I think what David is driving at here is that when you are healed, and we often are, it is God who has done it. Sure, he uses physicians, but ultimately God is the great physician. God has even created healing properties in our bodies. Think about it. You get cut, and your blood clots, and a scab comes. And eventually that scab heals over and you've got new skin again. I had a man in in my previous call that went through a terrible, terrible fire and it burnt much of his face. But you know what? When when he healed, the worst part is his wife says, I still look like 40-something, but you now look like 20-something with all this new skin. The Lord had healed him. The, the properties in his own body had began to heal his face until it looked new again. The fevers designed by God, right, to help fight infection, to help, help fight illness. God heals us, and so with our inmost being from head to toe, let's bless the Lord. God also redeems us. Listen to what David said in verse 4. Who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. God's redeemed us. He's brought us back from the verge of death. He's brought us all the way back from the pit. Here David may be referring to the fact that he was physically near the edge of death. But it's also true that in Jesus, God has brought us back from the pit of death and destruction and damnation. Sin ruined our lives, but Jesus on the cross has saved us. The Scripture says that He's taken us from the pit and He's crowned us with steadfast love and mercy. And if you look at the remainder of Psalm 103, much of it is a beautiful reflection of the steadfast love and mercy of God. Let me just read verses 8 to 18 for you. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him." As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. In other words, he remembers that we're weak. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But 
The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. And His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. Beloved, God redeemed us from the pit, manifesting His steadfast love and mercy. His mercy and love cannot be measured. It's as high as the heavens. His mercy and love is steadfastly maintained. It will be with us from everlasting to everlasting. Nothing in life nor death can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God redeemed us from the pit. And He crowned us with steadfast love and mercy. Let's bless the Lord. Let's bow down and give Him praise. God also satisfies us with good things. Verse 5, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like eagles. Clearly, life is not always easy. But the good things in your life, they are gifts from God. I think today would be a good time. Sometime today, if you haven't done it already this weekend, to just pause for a while and begin to list the good things in your life. List them one by one. See how it might surprise you what the Lord has done. And then finally, who should praise the Lord? Well, the end of the psalm says His angels, His mighty ones, His hosts, His ministers, all His works. And then David ends where he began. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Everything and everyone should praise the Lord, but especially us who have received so much from Him. We have received forgiveness of sins. We've been healed. We've been redeemed from the pit. We've received good things at His hand. So let us bless the Lord. Let us kneel before Him this day and every day and forget not all His benefits. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm just afraid sometimes we forget. We are so quick sometimes to complain when things aren't going well and so slow to thank you for all your goodness, all your blessings. And maybe I'm only preaching to myself. I don't know. Sometimes, Lord, I'm just slow. Sometimes I look around and see what I don't have instead of what I do have. Take for granted the wonderful people you've put in my life. Take for granted that I can honestly say I've never gone hungry a day in my life. Take for granted that you've provided work and work to do and skills to do certain things.
take for granted when my health is good. Lord, the list could go on and on. So we want to thank you for our blessings. You're not here condemning us because we forget. You gave your steadfast love and, and mercy. But I pray that we might be more convicted. Does it just give you thanks? To just pause from time to time in our day and thank you for it. We bless you, O oh Lord. We kneel before you. We give you praise. Bless the Lord, O oh, our souls. And may we never forget all your benefits. In Christ's holy name, amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace today and forevermore. Amen.